Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to Honey and Hustle. We are a visual podcast that features conversations with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and those in the nonprofit community. We're so glad that we started sharing our podcast here on Anchor FM. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and it will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on all the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you're listening to this right now, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Thank you to Blackology Coffee Company for sponsoring this video. Take 10% off your next order at Blackology Coffee Company by using the link at the description, www.blackologycoffeecompany.com backslash Angela. Hey guys, what's up? This is Angela. I am your host and producer here at Honey and Hustle. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this very special episode with Joseph Clement. He also goes by Joe um, and he focuses on movement therapy and we talk about all his different travels and how his life and being surrounded by a family of entrepreneurs has led him to his journey and where he is now. Um, in this episode, we kind of got into empathy. We got into issues of how his race and his upbringing and his community and his culture influence how he thinks about movement and about health and about life. And we got into a deeper discussion about that after the episode that I didn't record because I wasn't thinking clearly. Um, but we ended up continuing that discussion in his podcast. So can't wait to share that episode with you guys as well. But before all that, let's dive into this episode with Joe. I have heard a little bit about your story and you're one of the few people that I've had on the show who has a family history of like entrepreneurship, people who have owned small businesses um, that you know personally. Um, and you did that journey for a little while and then you decided to kind of uh, make your own definition of success and do something a little bit different. Um, so can you tell me about growing up, what that was like to have those examples of small business owners and then to reach what you thought would be your definition of success and happiness, finding out that it kind of wasn't, and then creating your own path. Yeah, absolutely. So it was really interesting. I was in a, um, in a networking group that I got invited to, and this woman was talking about um, being an entrepreneur's kid, right? And like growing up like that. And I can't remember the phrase that she used, but it was like, it was really funny because it's so true. It was like, you know, if you're in our world, is if you're old enough to carry or big enough to carry one thing, whether it was like one piece of what the whole project was and you're old enough to work. So we, you were just in it, you know, and like my parents were really cool to like pay us for it as we got older and like we were like just on the regular payroll to be able to like make money that way. So I always had money ever since I was a little kid. Um, but you you give up a lot of these things that you would do as, as a child, as like, um, you know, 
having summer vacations or, or a, a really good friend of mine would be like, oh, he'd be watching these guys play basketball, these kids play basketball or whatever. He goes, yeah, it was great. You know, back in middle school, we'd be out all day, like playing basketball and all these things. I was like, yeah, I don't know what that's like. I didn't have that. Mm. You know, so I worked, you know, every summer. I worked every night after school. I worked every weekend, you know, and I was in Boy Scouts, but like that was, you know, periodically doing things during the week on an evening or going on a trip for a weekend. But other than that, you were just, you were just busy all the time. Mm -hmm. So, but what you learn, well, and this is different for so many people in regards to like how you're brought up and how well your family was, you know, how, how nurturing your family was. But every adult I had in my life, every male figure, woman figure, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, godfathers, godmothers, everybody. The most common thing I heard was like, come over here, let me show you why I'm doing this. Let me show you how to do this. Let me show you the best way. And you kept taking that information and that information just kept like lumping together and you're building this like thing. You're building this knowledge base around knowing how to do anything, everything. And I think that matters so much how much we give, um, give kids that. You know, they said that with uh, our education system is based on the piggy bank idea where the kids' minds are empty and we need to fill them up. And I think it's completely backwards because kids' minds are completely full of amazing ideas and we need to like nurture them out of them and give them the tools they can to like bring out their ideas and be able to like share their ideas with the world instead of telling them that we need to fill them up. So I had that, you know, I think that was amazing. But the one thing that I learned throughout my whole life because of that is I watched my uncle start six or seven businesses and sell them. And I watched my dad, like my dad and I would like work on rentals or we work, we help realtors out like fixing up houses or we put tents up or run over and help my uncle do tables and chairs or whatever. We were always like, you want to call it hustling or you want to call it like, you know, grinding or whatever, like we call it today. But like, you know, these guys were out there like creating any business they could, right? Calling up, you know, we would do like post inspection, like fix ups or clean outs for houses and stuff for realtors in town. Or, you know, we would, um, like he had rentals that we would take care of, you know, and there was always just like a little bit of something somewhere else that we were making money from. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I think we get lost in this idea that there's like one way of doing it. You know, and everybody's like, well, I tried this way and it didn't work. Well, maybe that wasn't your way. You know, like there's no way, there's no one way up the mountain. Yeah. And I think that's what I learned the most, you know, learning it from such a young age is that there's, there's like, I look at the world as almost like claymation. It's like the universe is like this like thing that you could like mold and, and, and do things with. You can do it your own way. And like, we allow everybody else to tell us how to do it or what the best way is. So I've been saying recently, it's like, um, you wouldn't call the dentist to ask why your pipes are leaking under the sink. So why are we going to people that have never done what we want to do and trying to get information from them and thinking it's the right thing? Yes, that is a very big question that I think about quite often, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always somebody out there that's already done what you're doing or is doing something similar to what you're doing. You know, my business and what I build is completely different. I'm the only one in the world that has what I have, right? That's why I love it so much because it's first principle innovation. I don't have competition, which makes it hard because I, I can't look at my competitor and going, what are they doing that would work for me? Or what can I change or whatever? 
but the positive of it is that I can take as long as I want to create what I want to create and I don't have to race against anybody else. You know, so if, if somebody doesn't know what first principle innovation is, it's like um, most innovations are like, you know, we have the toaster and now I'm going to make a toaster with an extra button. It's going to make, when you press the button, it makes a cool design in your toast. Right. But first principle innovation is something that doesn't exist in the world at all and you make it exist. So can you tell us a little bit more about your business, uh, Move Therapy? Yeah, so I used a lot of what I had learned as a child through entrepreneurship and through um, just find everybody's like, you know so much about everything. But then I was like, I kept watching so many people struggle with getting in their own way or listening to what other people said is the right way or is the wrong way or all these things. So. As I kept going down this path and trying to help people through what I started in massage therapy, well, let's back up to that a little bit because I went into massage therapy first and I told you this, I had to move to St. Thomas actually to live in the Caribbean and then that kind of spun on me. I got my accident, I got set home and then because I was trained in event planning or logistics since I was a child, right, seeing different ways to solve the puzzle. Right? That's everything I've done since I was a kid was figuring out new ways to solve the puzzle. So I kept seeing different ways I can help people. And then as I kept doing massage, I was realizing that a lot of things we do in massage therapy don't really aren't lasting. They don't stay. Right? As we get a massage every two or three days because or you know, you have it and have a massage, you feel great, three days later you don't feel great anymore. Well, why is that? Are we not working on the, the are we working just on the symptom or are we trying to actually figure out the cause of why you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Well, my logistics brain kicked in and, got, and went after, you know, growing up in, in event planning from six years old to 18. I did two years in the military and then seven years in supply chain management, which is all creative work. It's all like figuring out ways to make it happen. So then that all kicked in when I started doing massage and I was like, wait, there's better ways. Wait, there's Oh, this works better. This works better. This works better. And you're, now you're taking this person and you're helping them through different ways. Because here's the thing about entrepreneurship that I think would help a lot of people is that we're missing our empathy. Mm-hmm. We're missing so much of our empathy because all we need is empathy for another human, right? Pick a demographic, pick a person, pick a, a, a need from a group of people and observe them and go, what would, you know, wow, I didn't realize it was that challenging for them to do this thing, whether it's a blind person, a deaf person or whatever. And we're going that, let me try that myself. Wow, this is really hard. I want to help this other human not struggle as much. I want to help them not suffer as much. Right. And through that gives us our why and our purpose, because our purpose is to let that human struggle as much. And that nurtures our creativity to go, wait, what can I build? What can I create? What can I, what can I do on, for my own purpose to help this other person not struggle as much? Yeah. Right? And I think that's missing so much right now. Like we have all these ideas. People are just like, they have so many ideas locked in their head and they're like, they can't figure out how to get them out. Well, you have to have a purpose. Yeah. What's your purpose of your idea? And I think that would help so many people. But that's what I kept doing through massage therapy. I was like watching these people suffer, chronic pain people and like 
people have had like major injuries, PTSD, like all these things. I'm like, how can I help you? Right? What can I do to help you? So what I realized is that I can study, realize like, like our scope of practice is important. It's important to me to make sure that I'm recognized by science and medicine for what I'm doing legally. So what I, what I figured out is that I can study anything I want. I can take classes in anything I want. If you go on YouTube, you can take all the classes you want from Stanford in human behavior, right? And they're just on there. So all of this knowledge is already out there. We just have to want to learn it or want to like figure it out. So figure out what you want to study. And even without breaking my scope of practice, I could take mental health courses. I could take lectures for psychology. I can take neuroscience lectures. I can, I can take, uh, I work with uh, newborn babies, you know, and I can learn all of this stuff. And I kept applying what I was learning to the people I was helping. Mm-hmm. It's a constant collection of knowledge to go, wait, how can I use this little piece that I learned in this neuroscience class that still applies to what I do without breaking my scope of practice? Because mm-hmm. we're all working on the same thing. We're working on a human. Yeah. Right. So I just kept collecting that knowledge. And now what I realized is that the easiest way I explain my work because of logistics is that we are a ball of energy moving through space relative to something else. Right. You, you are you and all the things that don't move around you are just controlled variables and you are you and you're going to get to however you're going to get there, however way you can. Right. So If you look at baby here and mom's here, do we criticize baby for how baby got from here to mom? We don't tell them they crawled wrong or didn't walk right or anything like that. Or you you should have scooched instead of crawled or you should have whatever. We we don't do that to people. We don't do that to children. Mm -hmm. But why do we start to do it when I say I have this idea and here's my goal and all the people meet me there go, well, you shouldn't do that. That's terrible. That's never going to work. You can't do that. Like my way is better than your way and you shouldn't do that. There's a lot of people that I follow around the world that are really pushing towards working, as we say, with people and not on people. Yeah. Right. There's so much of therapy and so much of medicine that is, we take this human that has been sedentary behind a desk for the last 15 years, for eight hours a day and put them on a table and do things to them. We, we dig on them and we scrape them, we cup them, we needle them and do all these things. And we're like, whoa, we don't know why it's not working. But all I, all we want to do is go, why can't I work with you? Why can't we be a team? Why can't I work with you towards a behavioral change in such a way that's easy enough on you? Because here's the thing science proves is that our flow state, our play state, your skill level to your challenge level has to stay within 4% or you get overwhelmed. Mm. And that's not very high. 4% is very low, right? So if we're trying to make a behavioral change, then we need to do it in such a fine level to encourage that person to go, here, try this. See, that wasn't that hard, right? Now try this. See, that wasn't that hard. And then you keep building that up. See, we're... I watched a lot of, I was able to shadow sessions working with um, non-mobile, non-verbal autistic kids, uh, spinal cord injuries, stroke patients, like 
all these different things that we do to help people and really broken people sometimes. Yeah. And when we work with children, we do things so finely, so tiny, right? There, we call them like sips of like, you know, like, hey, let's try this. You like that? Okay, let's try this. You like that? So we build it up very small. But then I went and worked with, or shadowed with like a few sessions with spinal cord injuries. And they're like, come on, we're getting you walking tomorrow. We're gonna get you up. We're gonna like, and it's like, wait, like, why are we doing to this person that's been traumatic, his life, their life has been traumatically upended. And they don't feel like themselves. They don't believe in themselves. They feel worthless. They feel like all these emotions because they're broken. And yet our egoistic or egocentric um, mindset as an adult becomes my way is really awesome. And I'm going to be better than you've ever were before the fastest than anybody else can. And then we don't get them anywhere because we're constantly pushing them too far past their skill level to their challenge. Hmm. So all I did was like with all of my work is I just studied, my dad had three major strokes before he died. So I was around that a lot. And we keep trying to get them back so fast. But if we work with them gently and kindly as people, as humans, right? Humans that we care for and not because they're paying us or insurance is paying us, but because we care about them, we want to make them better. Then you'll watch and be more intuitive and pay attention and go, how can I help you to where you feel cared for? Right. If it takes us an extra year or two years to get you better, but the entire time you enjoyed the process, right? It's still just a goal from point A to point B. We're just trying to get people to enjoy the process, right? Do you enjoy your pro Have you enjoyed your process? What, as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Like building what you building. Yeah, because I mean, like, like you said, like, yes, I have goals. Everybody has goals in some degree, but you also realize like the time of those of those goals may fluctuate. You know what I mean? And I feel like the hallmark of my journey has always been that I guess I believe that if you put in the work, you do good work and you do right by people, then the money will come. And so that's what I focus on. Just doing what makes me happy, showing up as myself, doing good work, doing right by people. And that's worked out decently well. So. Yeah, and it comes, like, it, it's like, um, you can chase after it, but like, if you chase after money too fast, like, that's the thing, people set their, their goal as money, but money isn't real, it's fake. We've known it's been fake ever since it existed. Like, if you ever read the book Sapiens, they talk about, like, this country would trade, they have barley cups, and this barley cup held, like, they would cut off the top of the cup, like your measuring cup, and this mm -hmm. barley cup was equal to three shells in this country. So I would trade you one barley cup for three shells. And that was the start of money. So it was only an exchange of what I felt my value was worth and you feel your value is worth. Yeah. Right? So if your whole purpose of your business is to make money, you'll lose your purpose very quickly because the process is really long. It's really hard. You're going you're gonna to get bricks thrown at you and like tripped and fallen off cliffs and everything like that. And money doesn't make you get back up after you've been beat down. Mm -hmm. Your why of like who you're in your purpose of who you're trying to help. And seeing those people still struggling, going, wait, I can't stop. I can't stop yet because those people are still struggling. And that's my purpose. Yeah. Right? If you're going, well, I'm not gonna make any money doing this, so I quit. That's because there's no purpose to that. Yeah. 
right? But, but always being able to look back at why you're doing it. Find the people you're trying to help and look back and see if they're still there and they still need your help. That's what keeps you going. Yeah. So two things, two things. So yeah. when you talk about empathy and really how you've injected empathy into your business um, effectively, which I think is awesome. And I think it's super important no matter what industry you're in. Um, but let's talk to people who may be like, I say this like with caution, but like every business owner or like person who's an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily have a job or career or work in an industry that is like necessarily like life changing. Like there's people who are realtors. Like, yes, your home is by far your biggest person purchase and should be a very personal transaction between like the real estate owner, like a real estate agent, sorry, the buyer, the seller, the whole transaction. But at the end of the day, like it's, it's a purchase. It's like, or people who like, let's say Mount TVs, right? Like it's not going to change the world not of this person's TV, but that's, you know, your job, that's your business. Um, so like, I think, and you mentioned that like in your industry, there's this like language shift or language adoption that's happening of working with people rather than working on people. And I think that that has been reflected in other ways in terms of people saying, I want um, the people that I work with to be considered my business partners, not my business clients, not like just this person that I'm doing a service for, but someone that I'm collaborating with to get a job done. Um, so how do you feel about like, what would your, I guess maybe perspective or takeaway be for someone maybe who's watching this and maybe they're not in health and wellness, maybe they're not in a service-based industry or maybe a strict service-based industry that we, we, we may I immediately think of when we think of the word entrepreneur. Um, what would your advice be to them to inject empathy into their business and really start to shift from like, yes, this is the exchange that I make for money versus this is what I'm doing because it fulfills my purpose and it helps people to the best of my ability. Yeah. So I saw this recently and they were, uh, they're saying like, if we do something that if we only do work for somebody else to build somebody else's dream or somebody else's goal, so we're a worker, right? After a certain point of working to build somebody else's dream and not your own and not your own purpose, we lose our essence mm. of self because we become this like shell of ourselves because we're only doing this thing as a cog in the wheel. And we're not doing it to, to nurture our own empathy or our own purpose or, or drive to want to help other people. So just alone being out, if you're, if you have a, your own thing that you're making your own money and you're, and you're, and you're sustaining yourself with your, what you're doing, you love doing, that alone makes a big shift. So if all you're doing is putting TVs up every day, but it's your business and you made it function and, you, and you're making it happen and you have your own equipment and, and people are hiring you to do it, that's you. And you're providing a service for somebody else that can't do that. Yeah. Right? So it doesn't matter what your business is if you're still helping other people. Mm-hmm. It's when we... My drive is to help people see... To, to change the idea of poverty, the idea of the mindset of like, I, I'm only gonna work with this person because I don't think I'm capable of doing anything else. How do we get people out of that? Yeah. Right? But the entrepreneurs and the people that are trying, like, you know, just try, figure out something, whether it's small, 
whether you're replacing 25% of your income for now, and then eventually 75% of your income, and then eventually 100% of your income, and now it's your thing. But don't just be the cog in the wheel and lose all of your essence of self. Mm -hmm. Find something that you can create. We're creators. Every one of us are, right? The, the problem is, is that we forget that we only learn or get better at doing something by doing it. Right? You can listen about it, you can like talk about it, you can read about it, you can do all these things. But until you pick up the paintbrush and suck at painting for five years until all of a sudden you're really great at it, right? Then you're not gonna get better at it. We have to physically be doing something to get better at it. So pick something, no matter what it is, and start practicing it. And maybe, maybe you only practice it for two years before you get good enough where you say, I'm going to try to move over and sell some of my stuff and, make, and replace 25% of my income. However, you're still working towards a purpose now. Yours, not somebody else's. Yeah. So even the smallest change, that's the steps again, right? Everybody wants to go be a, a unicorn company jump all the way to LA, everyone's all of it right away. I want to raise $10 million tomorrow or I'm not starting my company. And you have to start really small. I got, I started my whole company on a $750 square capital loan. Mm. And I just kept getting the next bigger one. I'd pay that one off, the next bigger one, I'd pay that one off. And I kept going. Just, you allocate the funds to whatever you need the funds for and you keep going. You know, but like, we, we think we want everything so big, so now. Right? That's the whole instant gratification of how soon can I get it? How fast can I make a million dollars? But if we look at it as going, what can I do that I'm the creator of? I'm self, I'm creating, I'm the, I'm the master of my universe, my reality. I'm creating this thing that's mine. Nobody else has it. We're going to make the best thing of this that no one's ever seen before. Right? You, it's you, it's you, it's yours. It's not anybody else's. You're not building somebody else's dream. You're building yours. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes is that it doesn't matter how long it takes you to achieve your goals and dreams because time will pass anyways. So okay. start it, right? <laughs> Just start it. Just like I've been working on literally my, what I've taken all the knowledge I've gained since I was six years old. And for the last 12 years have applied it to one thing. So essentially, I spent 35 years of my 41 years of being here on this planet building one thing. Uh, wow. Oh. And like, I, and I'm not even, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm on a tipping point now, but I'm, I, we're still on food stamps and we're broke all the time. So like, I'm still a starving artist like I was 10 years ago. But I feel like right now I'm in this like the the plate slate. It's, it's ready to like it's ready to tip. Like everything's right where it's at. Everything is right where it needs to be. The pandemic, as hard as it's been, has been one of the most the biggest blessings I've ever had in my entire life. Mm. You know, and that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around. It's been really hard. I'm not trying to downplay it at all. Like I've gotten, I'm gonna just say that I got my ass kicked this year, <laughs> but it was worth it. Yeah. You know, and if, if there's, if that's the biggest takeaway out of all of this, it's like, 
find something small enough that you can start that you're creating. Whether it's art or, or woodcrafting or anything. Yeah. You just practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it. And when you're ready to sell it, sell a few of them. See if people buy them. You might be surprised because the problem I had the most was imposter syndrome. Mm. Right? Have you ever had imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Like I'm not good enough for that. I'm not good enough for that. Right? Like that's the most that's the most ridiculous thing in our head. Like I'm not I'm not that good. I'm not that good. You know, I still have it now and I've gotten I actually got um right before the pandemic I got invited to the University of London by one of the world's famous neuroscientists to present my work over there. Wow. And I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right? Yeah. And here I am, I have no college education. Like, I just figured all this stuff out on my own. I have like some of the most amazing scientists and, and medical people behind me that I'm working with a doctor at Duke University right now that's like in love with my work, oh. right? So I have all these doctors and PhDs and neuroscientists and all these people. And yet I still go, yeah, but you just don't, you still don't know enough. You're not good enough, you're not good enough. Yeah. So, it doesn't matter how little you know or how much you know, your your brain still wants to tell you you don't. Mm. So going back to starting small, just because it's small doesn't mean it's not significant. Because it's yours. Mm. And that's the biggest piece of all of that, is that you need to create something for you that helps other people. Or even art helps other people, because you're bringing beauty into the world. You're bringing something to the world. Yeah, I mean, look at how many people are binging Netflix. Look at how many people are turning to Spotify for podcasts, for music, for, you know, live streams. I mean, artists have been like a savant <laughs> during this yeah. year. Yeah. Getting people through it. Um, so I have one more question before we wrap up because you've touched on just so many things that I'm so, so happy about. But one of them is education, right? Okay. So how do you um, spend your time, one, learning through doing, learning through studying and then also learning by like seeing other people do it right so having a mentor even though that was you know family members and maybe it's not what you end up doing now but it contributed to your experience that you're you know putting towards what you're doing with move therapy um so as far as one being a mentor and two having a mentor what are some things that you think people should look for when they're looking to you know find examples of people who are doing what they're doing now to learn from them or um, force their own path and kind of get tidbits from here and there to piece together that they can put together in their own way to do what they're trying to do. So I would say the biggest thing in regards to mentorship, and this is some lessons I've learned along the way, is finding people that have forward thinking. A lot of mentorship I'm actually in this situation a little bit right now. A lot of mentorship is focused on the pragmatic of the past, like what used to work, what worked when they were doing it, right? And the problem with that is, and Gary Vee will say this all the time, he doesn't like mentors at all because they're thinking in the background. They're thinking backwards, right? They're thinking like what worked back then that I can give you going forwards. Instead of finding someone that's going forwards as well and going, hey, let me take you by the hand and walk with me. Mm -hmm. I'm going that way anyways. Why don't we go together? And I know you're way behind me, but that's fine. But I can give you some things to watch out for. Just to watch out for the populace, to watch out for like 
this bump in the road or like man i went i went through that three years ago like that's terrible like here's what i learned from that experience three years ago so you still have to go through it but i'm gonna i can't protect you from it but i can at least give you advice to like maybe like skim the pothole instead of falling all the way in it uh -huh. right and like finding that that's my biggest way of education or finding your mentors or finding your sages or wise men or whatever you want to call them along your, your path is to make sure they're they're wanting to support you for one right so like i would say this about you know the crabs in the bucket analogy yeah okay so i'm going to change i'm going to finish the crabs in the bucket analogy and switch it to what it needs to be okay because I'll say it really quickly. So for those that don't know what the crab is in the bucket is that you have one crab in a bucket, the crab can reach up, pull itself out of the bucket and escape. But if you put more than one crab in a bucket, the other crab, when one starts to get out, the other one wants to go with it. It wants to ride along and not do the work and ends up pulling it back down with it. So we stay in this constant tumble of mediocrity where we're like, I don't want you to succeed because you you're like doing more than I am. It makes me look bad. So I'm gonna pull you back in. Okay, that's our egocentric world that we created where I don't want you to succeed. I want to burn your building down so mine goes taller. Mm -hmm. Right, I don't want to do the work, but I don't want you to succeed past me. Mm -hmm. That's the egocentric world that we created. The unified consciousness, the helping each other and building things to make the world better. Here's the crabs in the bucket in unified consciousness is that oh one crab's getting out of the bucket let's all help him out of the bucket right because we can all push him out so each crab teaches the other crab how to get out of the bucket right teach a man to fish each crab gets out of the bucket well guess what we know from the very wrong analogy of egocentric mindset is that the last crab left in the bucket already knows how to get out of the bucket so nobody is left behind mm -hmm. So we need to switch how we look at our world in entrepreneurship and in like mentorship and helping and switch to the unified consciousness and start helping each other out and not burning each other's buildings down. Because yeah. if not, we just stay in this constant, this, this like tumble of, I did this, I did this, I did this. Oh, uh, we all suck and we're all back down. Again. And nobody gets past that. The 1% people that get past that or the 5% people that get past that are realizing that, oh wait, why are you guys stopping? Like, what's happening? We're, and now everybody's gone, right? So you stop hearing all the noise because the noise is gone, right? Because you're out of the bucket, but now everybody else is still in the bucket. And that's what I didn't want. I want everybody else out of the bucket too. That's, I don't, I didn't do this for me. This is what I say all the time. It's like, everyone's like, why aren't you making any money yet? Why are you like finished your thing yet? Why are you whatever? And I'm like, because there isn't a finish to it. There isn't an end to it. One of my favorite quotes, and I live by this, is that a man who plants a tree with no intentions of ever sitting under its shade is beginning to understand the meaning of life. Oh. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about everybody that's not born yet. Yeah. What are we leaving for them? Oh. That's the unified consciousness. That's us building our world to have something amazing left when we're not here anymore. So I won't ever see the finish of mine. I won't ever see the end of mine. I don't want to, right? So like, that's the difference between what we do. Like we have to stop burning each other's buildings down. Yeah. I think I'm better than you. 
because we're not, we're all the same. Some are just better at things than others, but we, if we work together and bring everybody together to build all the same things, you have an incredible world and everybody has a purpose that way. Yeah. Yeah, I like so. that. And I think in a lot of ways too, like when you're helping people realize their purpose, you're also helping yourself. Because I think sometimes too, like just as teachers and educators, let's just educators say that like teaching is a two-way street. Educating is a two-way street. Not only am I teaching you things as a mentor, but I'm also getting a chance to learn things. Because even though somebody may be not as far as you are in their journey, that doesn't mean they don't have things to give. Because if they already have the vision that they want to be where you are similar, and that means they have it in them already. And their path or their idea of how they may get there may be different than you. But you may be yeah. able to from that and learn from that and also apply that to your journey too. Because like you said, it never ends. Never not ends. Not truly. So. Yeah. There was this thing I read and I'm, I'm gonna try to paraphrase the best I can, but it, it's based in like quantum theory. Is that because we're an observer and observe, we're, I'm, we're observing each other right now, right? So the longer we're around each other, if I see something in you and you see something in me and we continue down our path working together and I always see something in you and encourage you and you see something in me and you encourage me, it has to manifest itself. Yeah. Right? That's the observe and observer. So we're always just building each other up just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And we're creating, right? I'm helping you create and you're helping me create and I'm helping you create and we just keep going. Yeah. But we have to be able to like trust each other and build relationships and help each other out of this together. So there's a, I know we're pretty much done here, but I'm gonna end this with this, like uh, a phrase that I've like, really wrap my head around with building all of my stuff is that the precision of a well-designed system the humanity the government social or programs whatever precision of a well-designed system is predicated on the quality of the relationships of those working and living within it because mm. you can have all the best computers and all the best data and all the best machines and all the best everything but if all of your people walk out or don't trust you, you have nothing. Yeah. So it's yeah. all about the people. I have just so many metaphors for that in this life that we call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, I see that manifested in so many ways, but yeah, I think that's a great note to end on. And I thank you for sharing that. I hope people will continue to ponder how they can build relationships that are mutually beneficial. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing with me today, Joseph. Absolutely, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you.